0: To the be there in five podcast a major letdown alternatively compared to this uh incredibly epic intro song i am kate kennedy owner founder of the little business called be there in five known for our remind doormats our artwork uh now expanding into pop culture commentary via this podcast and other things coming up winter 2018 i say that just so you think i'm more interesting than just my doormats i have more to offer the world they were my first idea, but they are not my last. And when people introduce me at a party and are like, oh, this is Kate. Uh, Kate, tell them about your, your little maths. I'm like, okay, this, is, this feels condescending. Uh, granted, I am very proud of, of our uh, intellectual property, of our innovation on a stale category. I'm very proud of the business overall. I'm very proud of owning the rights to the name Be There in Five, because if you don't Tell me that you don't text that twice a week to a person. I can't believe it wasn't taken, and I'm very proud that it is mine. I want to make it to many other great things. But sometimes I feel frustrated when I'm over-associated with the maths. And I'm just being honest. I am proud of them, but uh it just it it makes for a really hard occupation to explain at a dinner party and most of the time I just lie and say I'm in home decor all my neighbors think I have some bustling interior design business which isn't true I just don't want them to find me on Instagram or this podcast and like know what's going on it's it it would be weird to have direct interactions with a stranger that knew a lot about me from this podcast or Instagram who also saw me in real life because usually You know, it's people that are close to you that listen to support you, or it's total strangers you never actually meet or interact with. But something about a middle ground feels alarming to me. Anyway, sorry, that was quite boring. I mean, let's be honest, any capacity in which I were to interrupt that epic intro song, that cover of Destiny's Child Survivor, at any any point during that, when you heard my voice, you were going to be disappointed. Believe it or not, the song gets better. You should listen to it in full. It is uh, Zway. They are a German group that remixed slash covered Destiny's Child Survivor for the Tomb Raider reimagined by Alicia Vikander as Lara Croft trailer. And it's just a fantastic cover. Um, the first time I saw this trailer, I was like, oh my God, I thought that the Crazy in Love trailer, uh, the Crazy in Love remix for Fifty Shades, whatever, darker, was an incredible beyonce remix but hearing this i was transported and it i'm not gonna see Tomb Raider. i'm gonna i'm gonna mm, i'm gonna put alicia Vikander, vikander i don't know in into the Kate blanchett school of unlikability. it's a it's it's an a type of actress that wants us to know she's serious about her craft and doesn't care about being a celebrity and looks down upon you know reality stars and you know anybody who is not in major motion pictures as a mere bottom feeder and the type of person that's like ask her more on a red carpet and doesn't want to be you know talking about fashion when in actuality you were given a free dress and free jewelry by companies for free because your exposure and your platform equals eyeballs equals dollar signs so therefore the only reason you have the privilege of wearing this gorgeous garment is because the people that work their ass off to make it for you want the exposure for their brand. So, you know, don't, like, come on. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know the world's crumbling. You want to talk about bigger things, but like also, you know, that's an extremely entitled standpoint to just think you deserve the free outfit and to not give publicity to the people that worked hard on it. And I think that's total BS. I'd also bucket like, you know, your Shailene Woodleys, your Kristen Stewart's. There's a lot of People that fall into the unlikable actress category. At one point, I would have said Jessica Chastain, but she's gotten cooler recently, and she just spoke highly of Kim Kardashian publicly, which, you know, a lot of these actresses don't like to do. Um, I just, you know, it's like lighten up. Lighten up. We get it. You're very serious. You make believe for a living. It's important. Uh, And you make millions more dollars than other people that work a million times harder than you. I just can't with these serious actresses. But anyway... Alicia Vikander is married to Michael Fassbender and uh that's like, you know, a, a cute power couple. I'm I'm on board with a good celebrity pairing. That uh, flies a little under the radar and doesn't seem overly thirsty for press. But um anyway, I uh I I love this song, but I love me- if if you had to ask me my favorite music genre, I might go as far as to say that movie trailer (laughs) is my favorite genre because it's it's carefully curated it's always going to build it's going to evoke suspense it's going to evoke serenity it it's going to be a mastered version of whatever the already good song is and you think about great movie trailers like this tomb raider one like the Secret Life of Walter Mitty had this great "Of Monsters and Men" song. Think of uh, Arcade Fire's "Wake Up" and "Where the Wild Things Are." Think of Radiohead's "Creep" in uh, "The Social Network." I love, I love covers in movie trailers, and I wanted to give a, a shout out to this one because I think it's it's uh, especially appropriate for the movie subject matter, and it's a song that I've always felt was underrated by Destiny's Child and. You know, granted, Lara Croft is like hanging off cliffs and, you know, it looks a lot more serious than, um, you know, what Destiny's Child was going through, which I think is just like a lot of um, changes to the band when <laughs> they wrote this song. Um, I mean, what I mean, I, they like they survived through a lot of Tina Knowles uh, matching get ups that were less than flattering to Kelly and Michelle and. Hugely flattering to Beyonce, which, you know, who can blame a stage mom? You, you're, you want your kid to be the star. But God bless Kelly and Michelle. I mean, they both have had, I guess, careers in their own right. But they did look a little, uh, like they, they needed to get their sea legs at the Super Bowl. But I am grateful to Kelly Rowland for that song she had with Nelly. Nelly and Kelly, Dilemma. I cannot imagine the songwriting skill that went into that session. I mean, true architects of the English language. No matter what I do, all I think about is you. Even when I'm with my boo. Boy, you know I'm crazy over you. Can we just say, I mean, come on, guys. Like, ooze is the laziest of of the rhyme schemes. Go to rhymezone.com. Find me something better. It's like when, I, I, you know I love Taylor Swift as a songwriter, but the first time when I heard, gorgeous, you're so gorgeous, I can't say anything to your face, because look at your face. I'm like, are we just using the same words now? And I'm so furious. At you for making me feel this way, but what can I say? You're gorgeous. Way, say, face, face. She's better than that. (laughs) It's a sweet song, but the first time I heard it, it did sound a little bit oversimplified. I always, too, think about this song, um, What's Up by Four Non-Blondes. That's a song that's like, And I said, hey, yeah, yeah. I had to step way back from the mic for that. Was that any good? I'm not sure. Gotta listen back. Um, But the the chorus is, and I said, hey, yay, 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 yay. hey, yay, yay. I said, hey, what's going on? <laughs> and that, since I was a kid, when I heard that song, I was just like, man, this is all they could come up with? I guess it goes to show melodies more important than words to a degree, but I guess I'm still on a tangent about the opening song, eight minutes in. But anyway, listen to the whole thing. It's awesome. Survivor by Zway. And I like, even though I don't really have life situations where, you know, I'm metaphorically hanging off a cliff or, you know, switching out band members or wearing hideous bedazzled asymmetric outfits like Destiny's Child did when they wrote this song. I often play this song when I'm like coming up from my storage unit and there's no AC in the basement and I'm carrying a lot of stuff. I play this song when uh, you know I post something on Instagram and the likes aren't rolling in fast enough because the algorithm does not work in favor of business owners. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would play this song, Survivor, if you know I got put on a flight over three hours and was sat in a middle seat. That that my friends, is, that is that is head, hanging off a cliff. That is fighting my way through some mystical island off the coast of Japan. I think is what Lara Croft does. Uh, that is my true nightmare yes i know there are worse things in the world but relax Kate blanchett i don't like to sit in the middle seat <laughs> i'm one of those people that goes on those websites that are like yelp for plane seats and i straight up read detailed reviews i'm like okay i'm on a boeing 747 this make this model this year this version uh, you know where, where are the galleys where are the bathrooms where are the exit rows where should i sit to optimize location minimize disruption if i'm sleeping maximize leg room it's a whole thing and if should my seat get moved on a flight over three hours i will rage i will absolutely rage i i it is so frustrating to me that that air airlines think they can be willy-nilly with seat assignments because some of us put a lot of time and energy into selecting those and you know i still am not in a place where i have that f u economy plus money and yes every episode i'm going to refer to a different type of money as f u um but if in the event i'm sitting in economy i do choose my seat wisely and i'm not just some peasant that you can throw around and put in any seat and i'll be happy because i don't have the kind of money for first class yet quite the opposite also I can't believe how much people love Southwest. I know they've, got, they've had some issues lately that are beyond this, but like first come, first serve should be when the ticket is booked. I should not be on an even playing field with everybody that booked up until 24 hours from the flight, and then suddenly we go into like contest mode. I could, there are so many things I could be doing 24 hours before the flight. I could be sleeping. You guys know I have so many meetings. I'm so busy. The hustle is real. No days off. I just don't like the assumption that I have the free time to, you know, sit around until it's exactly 24 hours before my flight and hope that I get a a, a group A boarding position. So therefore, I always forget. And therefore, I am always positioned like C31. And every time I am sitting, standing in that long line, I just think to myself, this is ridiculous. Why are we animals? I booked this ticket months ago. I should have priority over the last minute people, says somebody who refers to themselves as be there in five (laughs) <laughs> don't listen to anything I say anyway it's hard because that business name's hard too because I don't want to be a cliche I feel like anytime I'm actually five minutes late somewhere it's like oh, be there in five and I actually promote you know uh, reliable business practices I don't think it's appropriate to be late or be delayed in one I say when it matters everything matters you know but um uh, I think for me be there and five is a little bit more about like funny things you do that are time savers because you're just a person that really budgets time poorly but I try to spin it positively and that it often for me comes from a place of um curiosity or detail like I, I I spend a lot of time on things I am a bit of a perfectionist which isn't normally something you'd expect from somebody who's otherwise fairly type b but even if it's I'm doing something as, you know, mindless as, um, okay, today I was looking up, I was thinking about Tinsley and the Coupon King, and I was thinking about how I was at this live podcast taping, and a guy there said he's been to his apartment, and that, um, I forget why he was there, what he was doing there, but that he sat on his toilet, and Scott, the Coupon King, lives on a very high floor of a very high Chicago building. And he has his toilet up several steps, and like for some reason, he has like the highest toilet in North America. And a, that's ridiculous. Who cares? B, Tinsley does not care about that. I can tell you that for sure. And C, um, I was like, how does he have so much money? Like, how well does Coupon Cabin do? Is it better than Retail Me Not? Do they have funding? And I just, I had to know everything about Coupon Cabin again had a lot of work to do but i couldn't drop the thought and this is why i probably know a lot of random facts is because if i have a passing thought i can't dismiss it i must i must solve it then and there and um so then i look up scott a find a cranes article from 2009 that are about the things you know way he absorbs information or consumes content And the very first thing it says is he watches the real housewives out of his Streeterville apartment. And I was like, Oh my God, nothing is more annoying than somebody who pretends not to be like a fan, a fan of what, whether it's the or the housewives or Vanderpump rules or whatever. And acts like they've never seen the season before. I've talked about this with Brittany from VPR. Um, but not only that, he, he has like a huge memorabilia collection of all things related to the Kennedys. And, um, I was I posted the article on Instagram and somebody messaged me. I'm, I I never know. I always I like I want to give people credit, but there's been an occasion when I've DM'd some somebody something and then they'll tag me and be like, thanks, be there in five. And I'm like, oh God, no, like I don't you know what I mean? That like you don't always want uh your input uh shouted from the rooftops. You're just trying to help, be a blind contributor, not in it for the glory. Um Anyway, she reminded me that his obsession with the Kennedys is interesting, too, because he, Carol introduced uh, Tinsley to him. And how do you like, get in touch with Carol in the first place? Because one has to wonder if he has this weird like fan situation with the broader Kennedy family, him beco- befriending Carol is a little bit odd. As just a refresher, Carol's late husband, Anthony radzowell is lee radzowell's son lee radzowell was the sister of jackie o jackie kennedy then onassis so that makes anthony and jfk jr cousins and another reminder just a few weeks after anthony Radswell died of cancer carol's husband so did her best friend carolyn Bissett kennedy and jfk jr and so her best friends and her husband tragically died within a short time span hence or New York Times bestselling memoir or brief related memoir, What Remains. And uh, long story short, that is interesting that on two accounts that he's very aware of the Housewives and watches it enough to put in a Crane's Chicago business article. It's one of his uh, touch points of consumption and um, his Kennedy memorabilia. Something's fishy to me, don't you think? You don't think Tinsley did more of a deep dive? What was I saying? Why did I bring that up? Oh, the be there in 5e things I do, justifying my own behavior, right? That's an example of something I saw today. Couldn't drop it. Had to take 20 minutes aside, figure it out, finish it, then get back to work. That's a problem. It's not desirable, but I say that because it's usually in pursuit of information that hopefully, you know, helps someone or something or is interesting at some point in time. <laughs> I was talking to my sister on the phone today, and um, I, we were talking about book clubs and how it's, like, a good way to make friends. Um, but I told her that the last time I was in a book club, I would forget to read the book, and I'd have to read, like, spark notes. <laughs> and then... Go to these, like, friend group hangs because I didn't want to be the person that didn't read because that's so shameful. It's like a club with, for the for the intention of having, like, pleasure readers. But, like, I, I'm not a huge reader, and I didn't want to admit that, and I still wanted the friends, and I still wanted the wine, and I still wanted the cheese. So what do you do? Do you say you didn't read and then appear lazy and, like, you don't care about the group when really you you, you care so much about the group that's why you're faking being a reader? Or... Do you just, you know, know enough to be dangerous? Because just because I didn't read the entire book doesn't mean I can't have a fruitful discussion about the broader symbolism motifs. The, you know, the apex of the plot, the the subsequent come down and the broader lessons I learned from reading such a glorious piece of literature that is very nicely explained on Wikipedia. I don't think it's a crime. What's interesting too is like I honestly think I got through the entirety of school without finishing an entire book. It's just not my thing. I, I don't want to say I'm a good bullshitter because I'm not a good liar. I'm not, I'm not manipulative and I, I feel too guilty doing something legitimately wrong. And I, I've never like cheated, but I learned from a young age, you just don't have to do as much as they're telling you you have to do. So I watched all the kids get themselves in a tizzy trying to, you know, do all the the stuff they were told when I figured out how to just get by. So like, I knew I was never going to be an engineer. I was not good at math. I, long story short, in college, freshman year, they made us take this calculus class at a place called the Math Emporium. Now, the Math Emporium is, they bought out a Belk department store, (laughs) stuck a ton of computers in there at round tables it was very quiet and if you had a question one of the moderators would come around and would answer but you had to put a solo cup on top of your computer these computers were paper thin imax you put your cup up there it falls down immediately falling solo cups uh, clicking of mice scratching of heads erased pencil erasers all this is a melody of insanity to me that i still have not recovered from to this day because the math important brings back such horrible memories because i am bad at math and because I, it was such a big school and they wanted to like automate this math process and they didn't have professors. So you just go to this giant Belk that was now a math emporium and teach yourself really difficult calculus principles on laptops. And I was just like, all I wanted was for that damn red cup to stand top of the paper thin iMac computer. Anyway, I wasn't getting it. The people weren't coming around often enough I felt stupid I feel like all my friends thought it was so easy they were like living the dream loving not having a professor I needed a teacher and I realized that if I took like four to six practice quizzes it would cycle through every type of question enough that I could memorize the patterns in the questions and the type of answer they were looking for so by the time they took the test I would get A's on them because I memorized the patterns of the question type and the way I should get to the answer through asking from the practice quizzes how to get to the answer from the helpers. Now, this is not cheating. This is recognizing test patterns. It's no, it's like you could call it cheating if you filled in the bubble C for every, you know, question on a Scantron, just hoping you'd at least get 25%, assuming there's an equal distribution of letter answers on, you know, a hundred question test. But I don't know, gang. <laughs> Long story short, that that is kind of my style. It's like, I instead of drive myself crazy to figure out the right way to do it and do poorly at it or not or feel like it wasn't getting me anywhere, I'd rather find my own way to do it that I'm comfortable with that will benefit me in the way it needs to, not the necessarily the way I'm being told to. Does that sound bad? I don't know. Should I not admit that? Long story short. It turned out to be the most ethical thing because like senior year, I was talking to a bunch of people and I was like, God, that was awful. It was so hard. I just would spend hours and hours and hours like trying to figure out how to, not to fail that class. And everyone was like, you didn't cheat. I was like, no. What? You did? Are you kidding? You, you were willing to risk getting kicked out of college? Never. I, they were like, yeah, we just like passed our own answers or like whispered to each other or, like signal at the table. And like, no, not my jam. Can you imagine telling your parents you got kicked out like for an honor code violation? I would die. But never. Anyway, long story short, to be there in five way of life isn't so much irresponsible or disrespectful. It's not about lying or cheating or stealing. It's all about acknowledging who you are and finding the shortcuts to get around your issues in life. So as long as you're not harming anyone else, and you might even be benefiting other people by not making yourself a stressed out, hot mess of a person, these shortcuts enable you to be a functioning member of society while taking into account some of your shortcomings. Why was I talking about that? I don't even know. Anyways, the Scott thing just it reminded me of um, how like Peyton went on relationship and kind of acted like she didn't know who he was. And then now she's on Southern Charm. But then people saw a Facebook status as hers in 2014 of how um, she was like, mm, I love me some Southern boys. Shep and Craig love Southern Charm. Like she's a fan of the show. Like Brittany was a fan of Vanderpump Rules. Just like Peter is a super fan of The Bachelorette and had it as his yearbook quote. And then he got on Rachel's season and it came time to propose and he was all like, oh, wait, I have to actually propose? Like, yeah, and am it. it was your yearbook quote in like, oh, four. What was that? Jillian Harris? That, that, was a, that was a minute ago. You should know by now that you were going to have to propose to go on the show. And that's why it was such an obvious strategy to, get the, to become The Bachelor. And why I think, what I think ultimately held him back, they, they sniffed out something that wasn't right about him. Anyway, well, I guess it was speaking of something not seeming right. I just listened to an interview with Thomas Markle on Good Morning Britain, which, like, should he be doing interviews? I don't know. I'm very confused by the whole thing. And it was really sad because they were like, okay, so tell us what really happened. And basically, right before the wedding, he realized that all the press for the past year had made him look like a deadbeat, a loser. It was like him grabbing a beer. It was him, like, bent over in a bodega. It was him just doing he just kind of looked he thought he looked pathetic and he was hired the paparazzi allegedly not for the money i don't know how much he got paid but to turn around his image and make him look like a better dad before the royal wedding now guys who's everybody does that every famous person uses the paparazzi to make themselves look good i pointed out last week that kim kardashian when she did that like fake paparazzi parking lot shoot outside of Jenner communications, where she was just walking to and fro the family offices and different, you know, uh, s- s- uh, space cadet, Xenon, the Z outfits. It, they were taken by this guy who they've been using forever. That works for splash news, or he's an independent paparazzo. And I showed on my Instagram, how he is sourced in so many of their photos going all the way back to 2013, when they were in Greece and that, To prove that this guy is a direct hire by the Kardashians, you can see a photo of him on their boat, taking photos that are then on the Us Weekly cover. And the title is like, who are you calling fat? And it was like a response to Kim Kardashian being called fat while she was pregnant. They hire paparazzi to take nice photos of them, to retouch them, and to post favorable stories about them. It's a tale as old as as time. It's PR 101. And I think Thomas Markle got some advice to do this. And then when it came out, it just made him look really bad and really greedy and... Then the week leading up to the wedding, especially when he pulled out and especially when he had uh, heart surgery and nobody believed him. And even I felt a little bit bad because I was super harsh in terms of how he handled it. I thought he really embarrassed Megan. And he basically just said he has been having heart problems. And he went into the hospital and he thought, you know, after a day and a half, he checked himself out. This is like a week and a half before the wedding. And he was like, I really want to go and then he talked to megan harry and said i'm coming and then he says a guy named sarge assigned by harry calls him and says we're taking you tonight i was like whoa that's kind of scary um just this uh, he's probably not supposed to say that um so like harry some handler just calls him and vaguely tells him when he's being taken he says he starts having heart palpitations and chest pains about going because he was in the hospital and checked himself out for those heart palpitations that are getting worse with the stress so he goes back into the hospital his friend drives him across the border to a hospital in the states because he lives in mexico and he was told his condition is bad and they had to operate and he went into surgery and he said he called megan and megan cried and harry and megan talked to him and they were like we're really worried about you take care of your health blah 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 and you know guys i i for the first time i was like oh god Like, I guess I had been seeing this as such an estranged relationship this whole time and him causing trouble. And the fact, wasn't he like at a Dunkin' Donuts or something two days after the heart surgery and people were like, no, there's no way. But he did really have heart surgery. And when he said Megan cried and was like, take care of yourself first, I was like, I had forgotten that like for a moment they actually did have a father-daughter relationship. And the stress of the wedding it was not just that he didn't show up and that he embarrassed her with the paparazzi shots. Her dad was, like, sick and in heart surgery during her wedding, which is a whole different layer. Like, if your estranged father is embarrassing you and you don't have much of a relationship and it was a hassle anyway, even though it's mortifying, I'm sure there's an element of relief in him not being there. But if they're close and she really wanted him there and they had a good relationship and he did have some unforeseen health problems, happen at the very last minute, God, I feel so bad. Like... That is a true nightmare. Worrying about somebody's health and wellness and well-being genuinely while you're trying to carry on and have a celebration and them not being there is just a true nightmare situation that above, you know, being embarrassed, I'm sure, was a different level of of concerning. And um, the hard part is, does Meghan really want him talking to Good Morning Britain? Did do, do they want him doing interviews with Piers Morgan? I don't really know. But it's an interesting interview. It's worth a watch. He kind of explains everything. He just... I don't know I, what I will never understand is why he was not groomed months and months and months ago why he wasn't flown to London to meet people why well why, why he wasn't told who he can and can't talk to and what to do because I think for a normal person especially somebody who lives in somewhat of isolation who has to go to internet cafes he probably just doesn't know the right thing to do and doesn't know the protocol if the press wants to talk to him he's probably like yeah okay i'll answer some questions he doesn't get like the smoke and mirrors and the intensity of of the need to not feed into the media that this family feels and like i think the whole thing's a little bit weird like she had to delete her instagram she had to delete her blog she worked so hard on like the the wiping of the identity creeps me out a bit and um the fact that she has no direct touch point with the people anymore is it's just bizarre on another level. And I'm sure that she is withheld from her family to a degree too, which is incredibly sad. And yeah, I don't know. I just was watching it. And it made me sad. And I guess I wanted to take back how harshly I spoke about him in the event he really did have health problems that were stress-induced from being on such a world stage. In which case I say Sarge or whoever handles the royals should have prepped him a little bit better and worked this out for. Anyway, from the pride of Great Britain to the pride of the good old US of A., which is of course Southern charm. Thomas does talk about being a French Huguenot all the time. So same thing, right? I didn't talk about it the last couple of weeks. I did a recap a few weeks back. I just, I'm a big fan of this show. It's, it's pretty good this season. It's always good. It's, it's very consistent. And I, um, you know, I speak about the be there and five way of life carefully because the way you know, I don't want to come across as like an entitled weird millennial. (laughs) I just mean like, know your truth and know what are your consistent personality traits that come out and that get in your own way. And how can you work around them rather than feeling constantly so frustrated that you haven't changed. But when I watch shows like Southern Charm, it makes me concerned for my generation. (laughs) It makes me concerned that People like Austin and Craig are walking around the world thinking they work so hard and are such major contributors, but they're so delusional about the fact that they do absolutely nothing. And and I talked to last podcast about, you know, it's not about what you actually do. It's about what you look like you do and how people, people that act like things are so much harder than they actually are drive me crazy because they make you think you're crazy for being like, this isn't that great. Like, why are people praising them? And I don't know, guys, this week was just another level with Austin and and Craig doing absolutely nothing but thinking they're like, you know, these big career men. Well, okay. first of all, the entire cast is injured. If that's not a sign you're drinking and partying too much, it's adult injuries. These aren't serious injuries. These are fun injuries, fun injuries, if you will. These Craig stabbed a butter knife through some drywall. Uh, What did Naomi... Oh, Naomi was, like, skateboarding drunk. Um, Shep tore his meniscus, maybe doing something serious. But regardless, he's, like, out and back at it. And, like, bending his knee the second he gets in the car after surgery and, like, bowling. Um, who... There's another injured person, isn't there? I think I'm forgetting. I mean, maybe I'm just thinking about Cameron, who was pregnant for literally two years. And every scene was just, like, eating some cheese balls, ready to pop. Wish Jason would come home, but he's in medicine, so... He doesn't really care. Like, oh, my God. I don't know what what this is or what what's happening, but you're making me not want to be pregnant so hard. I was just very over that storyline. But anyway, back to Austin and Craig. They're both certified bros. They, like I always say, they are the, uh, you know, dip in lip, beer stains on wrinkled polo, chubbies too short, short, Sperry wielding, southern accent mouth always vaguely agape um they're just total bros and they're bros that both don't have jobs so they pretend like they have jobs and they pretend to work really hard nothing drives me crazier than people that pretend to work really hard when you're a total nimrod and yes that it is 1992 and i picked an insult (laughs) that nimrod is maybe as offensive as knucklehead like (laughs) um but anyway these two nimrods that the one guy Austin he used to work for a beer company and now he wants to have his own beer and he worked really hard on it and his family's going to be so proud and they're going to invest in him so all he does is he drives to Greenville one time tells this brewmaster that he likes passion fruit and grapefruit leaves for a couple months comes back he paid like under $500 which I'm going to commission my own brew I don't even like brews but I like why the hell not for under that amount um And the beer is made, and he gets a keg, and he has a party with no water and no food. And you can't... can't, Ugh, God, so many issues. Also, it's not... he, He throws this party to act like he's launched this beer, but he truly did nothing besides pay a small fee and pick out two citrus fruits that he vaguely likes and wanted the beer to taste like. And everyone comes to the party, and they're like, we are so proud of you. Wow, this is drinkable. Austin, oh my God. And I just... I can't. It was so upsetting. I, he did absolutely nothing. And every, I just, I, I, I refuse I refused to pretend to be proud of him. And I'm frustrated with everyone that is proud of him. He needs a real job. He needs a job that is not just being a professional reality star that goes around to Charleston bars and probably just like stands in a corner and waits to be recognized. Honestly, that's what I would do if I were him. But, um, and then everyone's trying to come up with names And I I mean, keep your day job, folks. I mean, they're just like, dear beer. Whoa. (laughs) But to be fair, his name is Austin Krull. And I couldn't really think of anything either. And to also be fair, his Instagram is at Krull the Warrior Warrior King, which is a great how to lose a guy in 10 days reference and respect. Um, I couldn't really think of anything besides like ostentatious, which is stupid. Or like Cameron's oversupply of milk stout. (laughs) That's gross. Southern discomfort. How about that? I, I feel in a great deal of Southern discomfort every time I watch this show because of the, the raging levels of entitlement. Um, th- then there's Craig. And Craig is another bro. He's not from the South. He's from Delaware. And he's been lying about not having a job for like four years now. And it's tough to watch. He went to College of Charleston Law School, spent four years to take the bar. He finally took the bar but now does not practice law. And he just vaguely talks about doing pro bono work at a clinic. Um, but like, you need to make money. I don't know. It's an, oh gosh. He, um, he is the human version of that cheese plate he put out for Naomi. He is like trying to be something and to be classy and cool and artsy, but he is just, you know, uh, Brie wedge with half the wrapper on when you're dodging the rind with a few spare stale crackers you have laying around that you put out for a house guest. So as to appear like you're putting out a charcuterie platter, it, he, he just is like a poor, he he like has the basics. It's just, he's a poor execution of what he wants to be. And it's hard to watch. And Patricia put him up to this not difficult task of designing a pillow for her line, I guess, to go with her dog calf tans and he takes its design to a Joanne Fabrics and the late... I mean, oh my God, guys. It was like a silhouette of two dogs with the background of a sunset that he got off Shutterstock.com. He, he even says, like, it's a license that comes with my software and it's... Uh, he didn't even design anything. He used clip art. It is, the, it is truly the ugliest pillow I've ever seen. It is a pillow that the Big Lots would turn down as residual inventory. It is a pillow... Like make for your mom and your home at class in middle school that you made out of a T-shirt you bought at the Goodwill that somebody bought on their trip to Wyoming one time. And it's like a silhouette of wolves howling at the moon. And it says something like wild earth. It, it's It's just not what it's not Patricia at all. And it was so ugly. And I just. The fact that he is acting like this is his big break. He has this pillow line that this is his design, but really he just got licensed it from software. I mean, it's just—it's a whole metaphor, and I can't—I can't deal with the 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 half assing of life. I just can't. can't, It—he—he put a butter knife through drywall. I—I get frustrated. And there's one scene where Austin a, puts on his shirt and he's the type of person that puts his shirt over his neck and then shoots his two arms out through the armholes. Like, I don't trust anybody who puts their shirt on like that. Does any, do it? I mean, maybe it's women, but like, I just, I don't know, head through the neck one arm at a time. It just doesn't, it just seems like a really unnecessary shortcut in a hobby you never dropped as a kid to shoot both arms through each armhole at the same time and hope for the best. And I think he is a bit of a kid then never really grew up either um beyond those two and you know the beer and the crafts and actually I think when I was watching them together and Craig was talking about his crafts and Austin was talking about his beer I was like this seems like a huge opportunity for craft brews Craig's like webisode series where he does crafts and talks about the grapefruit nose and the the, the undertones of of Coors Light and Miller High Life he tastes under beers because he was trying to act like it was wine. And do you remember when he had a job with J.D. and knew nothing about whiskey, but like wanted to be the CEO of Gentry Bourbon? Oh, geez, geez, geez. Um, the other I mean, obviously, Ashley is a monster troll. We hate her. She's horrible. Apparently comes out on the reunion that she's actually an escort. Good um, times uh, on the internet. I was reading, maybe it was on Reddit that somebody thinks that she, like Landon, introduced her to Thomas in, in California as like kind of an escort service type situation. I mean, girlfriend is crazy. She, uh, truly, she is she's horrible. She is a bachelor re- reject, cast off wannabe, and she, I just. And think she knows the formula for reality TV but it's just not landing she's not even a likable villain I mean even villains have their fans but she's just not she she's just not liked by anybody anywhere in any capacity and she needs to go and it's very difficult to watch and obviously we all hate Thomas too but I don't even want to waste my breath on them it's like it's such it's stating the obvious we all hate them I I totally ship Catherine and Shep oh my gosh I I, all of a sudden she was like oh yeah we hooked up after Kinsey was born and a few times since then and watching them interact they have such chemistry and I was like whoa are we supposed to pretend like we knew this was going on I was shocked I I, but it was really cute and I'm kind of into it and even though Shep is the broiest of the bros I will say the way he treated Catherine when Ashley was being me and he put his arm around her, checked in on her, and made her laugh. And I, I just I feel like I noticed something in Shep that separates the Sheps from the Thomases. Uh Shep is immature and a bit of a playboy and entitled and, you know, spoiled and so many undesirable things, but I think he's actually a good guy and he has nice parents. And I think Thomas is evil and strategic and manipulative and pretends to be the nice guy, which are Two different things like Chef's pretty honest about having a lack of direction and a desire for commitment and, you know, having access to unlimited mailbox money. At least he's honest about it, you know. Anyway, so stop talking about st- I'll stop talking about Southern Charm. Um, but the only actually the last thing I'll say is that this Chelsea Victoria thing is so annoying because they're fighting over Austin. Austin, two arms through the shirt holes at the same time. girl and um he uh, it's it's a stupid fight because like isn't i think victoria's works in the medical field chelsea is established she was on the show survivor speaking of survivors speaking of uh, i mean i know i've just raved about chelsea's beauty before but i'll say it again her she is the most effortlessly beautiful woman on bravo i really love her breezy vibe um they're 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 both strong, independent women, uh, career women. They both, uh, you know, s- seem to be great girls, and they were friends and chelsea dated austin and introduced austin to victoria now victoria's mad that they're still friends and like yeah i didn't love the body language yeah i wouldn't love somebody using my husband as a human shield to block them from the wind get a long sleeve tee buy one at the gift shop i don't care how cold you are use another girl a gal pal to block you um that was annoying and i think victoria had the right to be frustrated but the thing is they're fighting over a guy that I don't know. It's 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 not like it was an accident that she didn't know he dated Chelsea or whatever. And to make matters worse, to make me just completely get off the Victoria bandwagon and tune her out, for her to wear a fashion hat to the beer party. I'm sorry. I I have trouble with fashion hats, I do. I think it is just an accessory that you're wearing to appear like you want to go undetected to appear like oh i'm having a bad hair day i it, 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 I think people think hats emit a certain nonchalance but to me they are so heavily styled and so effortful when you want you think you're in disguise but you're actually screaming at the top of your lungs like i am pulling this off everybody look at me i'm wearing a hat indoors i'm wearing a hat at an otherwise casual function i am a fashionista like i is it's, it's not something I think that everyone needs to do and something that I have trouble supporting. And I liked Victoria until the fashion hat. And that's when I realized, oh, you're, you're trying to make a statement on this show. You are trying to be the stylish other woman that has a, has an argument against the effortless Chelsea. And when she was so clearly trying to be like, I don't want to talk. And Chelsea was like, we're cool. We're good. I was like, God, Gosh, her, her energy is soothing to the soul. And I'm a huge fan. I clearly have a huge crush on Chelsea. I think I'm maybe a little bit over Cameron's snark. Uh, You know, she's just narrated the show for so long, and she's just gotten away with saying such mean things about people, but to the tune of her Southern accent, people are defended. And I think Chelsea's the nicer, more calming version of Cameron that I'm just totally on board with right now. And it appears... Um, uh, according to Instagram, Austin has a new girlfriend. I don't follow any of these people, but they regularly pop up on my Discover page because Instagram creepily knows I'm only interested in Taylor Swift videos, Southern Charm characters, and the occasional Utah based mommy blogger that has so many kids and so many abs and so many bedrooms in their house and is so much younger than me. Uh, I feel I find it very confusing. And then I get down serious internet rabbit holes. Uh, So many of these mommy bloggers are such anomalies to me because so many kids and so in shape and and so the ability to have such a polished appearance that I just simply would not have with one child, much less, you know, four to six. And I don't know, more power to them. It astounds me. They have full sets of lash extensions, full uh, sets of hair extensions. I mean, if if you've ever gotten eyelash extensions, you have to sit in, in a chair for like 90 minutes plus while people individually glue lashes on your individual lashes. It is so boring and so painful. And I guess moms probably can sleep, whereas I can't. I just think of all the things I'm not getting done. To sit through that, you know, every three to five weeks is kind of a big time commitment. And then to maintain your hair your extensions, your balayage. Amanda Stanton, though she's not a Utah mommy blogger, she's a SoCal bachelorette, bachelor alum mommy blogger. She uh, flies to Arizona just to get her balayage and her extensions redone every couple of weeks. That's a lot of... That's a that's a big time commitment. I don't know. Between the lashes and the hair extensions, that's just like a lot of hair on your face and on your head to maintain. A lot of human hair from other people. I don't know. I also... I also... uh I struggle with the spray tan of it all because every time I get a spray tan, it is a huge struggle to keep that candy shell on. They tell you to wait to a cool 24 before you shower, but you come home, there's dishes you want to do them. You know, I'm white halfway up to my forearms again. Suddenly I'm 99% sure. Every kid is like one big geyser of various liquids. And you need to be like washing your hands and body constantly. If not washing washing their hands and body so, like, how do you maintain a constant spray tan? It's the mess factor, but also the workout factor. Like, I don't even get how people that work out all the time spray tan because of like, sports bra and sweat lines and boob sweat. And am I doing something wrong, guys? <laughs> I don't know. It all seems really difficult, and I don't have kids. I just – I don't know. I I look at these moms that seem so relaxed and, like, well put together – and they have these, like, gorgeous, uh, you know, meal prep Sundays. And then they make their kids these gorgeous lunchable style compartmentalized lunches that are the farthest thing from Lunchables. Uh, but that shows you where my head is once again. <laughs> um, fresh food. And I, it's better than I treat myself or my husband. And we're just two people. I can barely remember to get dog food. I, I, feel, more, well, I feel more guilt scrolling through these, these mommy bloggers' feeds for my hypothetical unborn children that I uh, I do for anything else. And I just can't imagine being an actual mom who actually works really hard and like looking at these people as if they're a normal representation of how a person should can can operate when they actually have a bunch of little ones running around. And what's confusing to me is I don't often see if they have help or not. They don't show that piece. But you've got to wonder, I mean, especially when people are like traveling to exotic places with these kids, like taking them to Tahiti. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I truly can't think of a, a, a bigger nightmare for me than like just vacationing to one giant dock that goes into an abyss of the sea. Like the t- those Tahiti huts. I mean, just the last place I would take a child, you know? Anyway. I'm the first person to champion the concept of not comparing ourselves to artificial representations of people on social media. We all know it's a highlight reel. And I know that. And I don't, I'm not, it's like funny because I'm not in their situation. So I'm not really comparing myself. I'm comparing it to a hypothetical situation. I could foresee myself being in and just not responding similarly at all to how uh, many of these successful mommy bloggers handle motherhood and granted motherhood becomes part of their brand. And they, there's they probably have a lot of help. It's it's never what it seems. It, it it's sometimes harder to curate perfection than it is to actually be living perfection. Um, it really like I don't know. I guess I'm kind of over the oh she's hot or prettier than me or has a better body or like I you know you typically only compare yourself to situations you're like actively in or I'm kind of over looking at other entrepreneurs' careers and stuff because like everyone has their own path and I finally feel at peace with that. But the the mommy blogs, are, since it's a phase of life I'm not in yet, it's a phase of life I'm not directly comparing myself to. So yet I can kind of just like gawk. I, I'm like a voyeur of of mommy blogs, in anticipation of the inevitable comparison I will ultimately do, and then have to get over. Rightfully so. But I just I don't know. I find it very interesting. I I I don't fault anybody for doing it well. A tip of the cap to you. You know, we're talking mommy bloggers here. A tip of the fashion hat to you. Because you probably wear them. And even though it blocks your peripheral vision that you desperately would need for children on the playground. Because, you know, I cannot handle a playground. It really stresses I've taken my nephews to a playground, like, once. And I was with my own mom. And I was just like, Mom, you cover the monkey brows, I'll be over by the slide. I'm going to uh, dig through these wood chips and make sure that none of them have splinters. So... As always, I'm breezy. <laughs> I guess I just feel like with um in my life in having nobody else to do the work and being self-employed and trying to build something on it and even just like adding my dog into the mix, it's so pathetically hard for me to have like the house clean and the dog fed and the dog exercised and calm and my work done and to feel like I can, you know, at least get myself something to eat. If I'm feeling extra generous, I'll see if my husband wants something to eat. Most nights we just like graze separately. It's, it's like always so busy and crazy now. And I know any parents just say like, you think you're busy. You think you're crazy. Just wait. And I believe you. That's the thing is like, I just, I, I'm hoping for just a giant priority shift. I'm hoping that I won't feel such a a uh, gap in my, uh, trying to fulfill a career driven purpose that I'm not meeting. So every day I feel this constant anxiety of like, I need to be doing more. I need to make something of myself. I quit my job. What was it all for? Why am I not getting a corporate paycheck? Like what, what, like, what does this mean? What does this do for my life? And how can I contribute to my family and not just make this a totally selfish, fruitless endeavor where I'm just like, running in circles, kicking up dust, trying to do a bunch of things I like and telling myself it's okay. Uh, (laughs) And I, to to be totally honest, like, that's how I feel most days. And like, I I know, I know, I've, I've heard from other moms that like having kids gives them a different perspective where like, you realize you were chasing something that was never there because like, True purpose comes from like loving other people and caring for things. And I totally 100% see all that, but it's also so hard to objectively put yourself in that scenario when I feel like in the headspace I'm in now, I just wouldn't be a good mother. Like I just, I don't know, but also I'm projecting on a person that is not me as I am now. It would be me as somebody, you know, who, who, who cares for something way more than I ever care for anything. My life currently, besides Tugboat, he's sitting next to me, he's staring at me, he can hear me. I love you forever. You are my moon and my stars and my sky. I just mean, you're not a human. I hate when people act like dogs are humans. <laughs> I tried to get, I tried to tell Greg like happy father's day. And he just looked at me, but then he put on his tugboat shirt that I made as a, the parody of like the Givenchy dog snarling shirt. And I think he secretly wanted to celebrate father's day and get a little bit more credit than I give him. Cause he didn't want the dog in the first place. But I like to think now he can't see his life without good old Mr. Boats. Anyway, sorry, that was a weird tangent. Uh, what was I talking about? Instagram? Oh yeah. The, um, other week I asked you guys like what your big pet peeves were about Instagram a because of my own market research B because I, there's a, there's an inevitable element of self-promotion that is required with what I do with what any self-employed entrepreneur, or small business owner does anymore. Like you, you, you don't have a, if you are your own brand or your own business, you don't have a choice, but to, get more personal and be a little bit shameless and figure out the way you can self-promote in a way that feels comfortable to you and for me it was never talking about the math in the business it was more so just like talking about stuff I like which was pop culture which worked out for me and that it pivoted to here which is still all work in progress but I just I, I everyone I followed was just like girl boss let me tell you what to do how to live your life let me motivate you let me this or that which I like, but it just isn't my style. I I feel like um, you can reach more people through having a common denominator, through connecting uh, topically or in some sort of context that makes you feel a little bit more linked and then people will listen to you. And instead of like being really strategic about it, I just started talking about the stuff I know and like I've always said, I've been able to find more of you, which has been so cool. But on the flip side of that, I feel like I notice I, I do all of these things that annoy me doing them. I can't imagine how annoying they are on the receiving end. I see other business owners doing these things that I'm like, don't you know, everybody hates that. But like, I guess, you know, some, sometimes you have to do it anyway. Anything with like ads or promotional stuff, like I, I get it, like it's so annoying But at the same time, if you're getting free content from people, how else are they supposed to pay for it? So anyway, I just, I'm always interested in like what people can't stand and what really repels people and you know, how can that be uh, preventable? And maybe what things do you think are so cringy that other people don't really care about and whatever. But point being, I got so many interesting responses and so many of them were so funny and well, okay first of all so many of them are related to mlms which i think is interesting multi-level marketing so your lula rose your lip sense your odan and fields your i don't know oysters people live shucking oysters what the hell is that i mean they're not even real pearls they're, these girls are on facebook live shucking oysters and they're like oh it's it's a something something pink pearl and i'm like, some. Some guy in China put that pearl in that oyster. What are you talking about? That's not real. And like people win them. It's very weird. It's very uncomfortable. I definitely watch them when they're on just because I'm just trying to understand. I mean, I watch for like two minutes because I I, the, the cringe factor of an Instagram or Facebook Live is so, so tough for me because the first minute or so when people are trickle- trickling in and you don't know if anyone's going to come or not. And they don't want to say anything too good before the crowd gets there, but they're also saying nothing and you like feel so bad for them. And if nobody comes, you're gonna feel so uh, it gives me heart palpitations, a la. Thomas Markle, pre-royal wedding. But this time, you know, Sarge can't come help me. But anyway, I don't discount the appeal to people. I am nothing if not fascinated by what is popular, and I am the first not to discount something that's popular, and I I always say I hate when people do that. I'm sure it adds value to people's life I just can't decide what that value is and are they all cringe watching? do they really want artificial artificially farmed pearl oysters i I don't know but what's interesting is so many people are driven so insane by MLMs yet they are so ubiquitous and everyone seems to do it or sell it and it's got to be lucrative to be that much work now. I have an issue with companies that make you buy a crap ton of inventory you can't ultimately sell, especially companies that sell clothes and stuff that make you look triple your age. Like I, uh, some of those companies I really think are misleading and aren't doing people a service and talk people into biting off more than they can chew. And I am not comfortable with that. I am comfortable with any business that enables you to be independent, to sell on your own terms to your own audience and, you know, for a product you really love and believe in. What I heard the most, though, was that people reach out on, you know, Facebook, Messenger, Instagram, or wherever, under the guise of wanting to like catch up and see how you're doing, but then like their second or third message is, so I have this really great opportunity. And it's like, it's so transparent. Nobody cares. Nobody's injured. Like, does that actually work? I'm in this really funny Facebook group called Sounds Like MLM But Okay, where people just screenshot the absolutely insane things people say trying to sell them things, and it makes me laugh really hard. Again, please don't stop listening to my podcast. I'm not opposed to people that sell things. I'm opposed to not reading your audience. That is what life is all about. You, If you worked at a brick and mortar store, at a retail store, when somebody walks in, you would read the audience and realize, are they a person that wants to interact that wants my help that wants a dressing room fashion show or do they not want to be spoken to i do not want to be spoken to so online when you can't read or convey tone i think people just don't get who their audience is and like if i was ever going to consider buying something from you if you approach it to me like hey have this great opportunity or like have you tried this life-changing emoji emoji fireball thing for entrepreneurs star star cash sign that changes your life world 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 explosion try our wraps 100 sign 100 sign check mark check mark i gotta say i respect a lot of what you people sell but not um not not wraps not not preparation h in a saran wrap that i put around my stomach like uh, if i need to lose weight i need to just exercise i need to just eat better i need to stop like lotioning and potioning and wrapping myself and lying that it's actually going to be any sustainable change That's the sort of thing I'm not into. But anyway, there were so many funny um, social media pet peeves you guys had that were educational. For example, one thing that is funny that I hadn't really thought about is when people on Facebook are looking for recommendations and they end the sentence with, and go! Like, looking for a family-friendly dinner reservation. And go! And, like, it's not offensive, it's not extreme, it's not really even a big problem. It is just simply very funny that the... um, Tone suggests we are all waiting with bated breath at our computers for you to post and for us to provide said recommendations about a family-friendly joint in the greater Scottsdale area. Um, It's like, and when you see an and go and no one's commented, it's like, oh no, a little slow to the start. In Mario Kart world, that's a death sentence. Someone's going to lap you. But what are you going to do? The one that I thought in terms of social media pet peeves that was universally relatable Well, uh, you know, there's your old standbys. There's the vague status posts. There's the people that post things that, that are like, karma's a bitch. Or, like, I hate everything. Or, gosh, sometimes people really let you down. And everyone's like, oh, my God, girl, call me. Is everything good? And then, you know, there's, like, the default posters that are the first responders, the friends that want to appear to be the best friends, and that are, like, calling you now. And then there's the people that are, like, you know, giving you scripture. And then there's the people that are like, oh, praying for you. What's wrong? Prayer hand, prayer hand, prayer hand. And, um, you know, sometimes it's something serious. And sometimes, yeah, you know, there's a fender bender. It's like uh, it runs the real gamut. So that can be confusing, especially if you're personally invested in the person but I would say 99% of the time, my assumption is that they're going through some sort of breakup or situation with a, with a paramour where the status is directed towards a specific person to suggest how they're doing. And you want them to see it and you want them to speculate the worst, which, hey, I think is a great, clean strategy. Um, but one of the pet peeves that is unfortunate because, you know, it, it affects how I approach social media it's that people hate when gifts are shared. Uh, when you post a photo of a gift you get from a spouse. This is a gift, not a gif, <laughs> I do. A gift you get from your uh, spouse, your partner, your significant other, whatever, for an anniversary, for your birthday, whatever it may be. Nobody wants to see the flowers you were sent. Nobody wants to see your jewelry. Nobody wants to see your Pandora bracelet, unfortunately. And I'm sure it's beautiful, and I'm sure... It means a lot to you and post away if you don't care. But I'm just telling you, I, I heard from a lot of people. That this is a major problem, which is why I'm using my podcast as a venue to brag about the gift I got for my anniversary, <laughs> because apparently Instagram is not a friendly vehicle for said content. You know, some girls get flowers, some girls get jewelry, some girls get trips, some girls get, you know, surprise dinners made for them. Some girls maybe get words of affirmation and love notes plenty. Not this girl. This girl gets something much more deep, much more meaningful, much more important and relevant to her daily life. And um, this is the second time I've gotten such a present and I am not disappointed. (laughs) So uh, I don't mean to brag, but uh, let me me play a little excerpt from my anniversary gift. (laughs) Hey Kate, it's Dorinda Medley from The Real Housewives of New York City. And I understand that you and Greg are celebrating your one year anniversary. He said that you are wonderful, and you always make it nice. And he hopes that the happiness lasts longer than tipsy girl. Oh, what's that mean? Anyway, I didn't say it. Greg said it. Anyway, congratulations, and happy anniversary. Bye bye. Okay, this is funny for several reasons. One, it shows the season he watched with me or was paying attention during. was clearly like two or three seasons ago. <laughs> when that guy tried to get ramona and then dorinda and then sonia to light like he had trademarked tipsy girl and he tried to get like every real housewife to align with him and sonia was the only one dumb enough to do it and then bethany like lost her mind and then sonia went and like accused dorinda of pursuing it too do you remember that hilarious kind of like a long time ago in a secondary plot line but clearly the one that he was watching at the time b love that he knew a default catchphrase and he knew to he scripted this out and he knew to say i always make it nice i do and while there is you know a bit of a oh what do you call it a mandela effect happening where she actually said i did it nice and the world thinks she said i made it nice i like i made it nice better um and the fact that well age okay then she slurs see she slurs she says that the happiness lasts longer than tipsy girl like geez enunciate girlfriend you got, probably got paid a good 30 bucks for this that's not chump change if i started putting cameos i would be so extra i'd be wearing ball gowns i would be like i cannot believe you are paying me to do this let me put in so much effort you're gonna be embarrassed for me but I just love how she was immediately like, "I didn't say it. Greg did. Right. <laughs> he didn't pay you to go off script, Dorinda, just to say what he asked." <laughs> that made me laugh so hard. So obviously, I know what it's. It's from a site called Cameo.com. There, it's. I, I like it not because of what it is, but because of thinking about my husband's effort that went into it and in writing that script one show he also watched with me like the first few episodes of this year was summer house because we like we used to live in new york and i feel like i understand those type of people not that they're my close friends but like i know the type of person that summers in the hamptons and i like to watch it um it was better the first season though and i hate kyle but um anyways the cheapest person greg could find in cameo was carl so when we were moving and I was like working really hard to like find us a place and going crazy like wanted to thank me but I guess you know it thought pen to paper was a bit antiquated thought jewelry was you know was too passe so naturally he went straight to Carl Radke of Bravo's short-lived summer house and (laughs) had him thank me for all my hard work in the move and that was funny because He made carl say his tagline twice he the script wrote like less stress more life which is like something he said twice in the first episode that we thought was like funny and annoying and you could see carl visibly irritated while he was saying this speech and i feel like there was something else about carl's cameo that was funny but i'm forgetting now anyway you know i don't want to brag on instagram about these things guys i don't want to drill home too much that i uh you know makes me look like a real gold digger like i i am just in it for the gifts (laughs) but anyway you know point being he knows his audience that is something that makes me laugh that I will appreciate that I will keep and that I will enjoy because I love reality television and he is so often his comprehension of the plot lines is such a funny byproduct of me watching so much reality television because I think he's not paying attention and then he'll casually be like yeah let's dress more life I'm like excuse me he's like nothing (laughs) um but anyway i uh oof, we're almost at an hour guys yikes well again leave the party while you're still having fun i have more i need to say i think i had something else to say about taylor swift i also wanted to talk about Jaclyn hill oh not enough time in the day guys not enough time um oof. um i also wanted to real quick thank everybody who left me a review A shameful call to action i made on social media on instagram was asking people to try again to leave a review on itunes it seems like the trick is that you have to have a unique username when you go into your settings and uh your itunes app or on your computer maybe it's in your podcast app you have to have like a nickname like a screen name and if you don't have one registered you've never left reviews before you wouldn't have one that's why your reviews don't go through that's what i think is happening but i do like the conspiracy Uh, that I think Apple's running that idea better. Um, But they mean the world to me, whether you say them in your brain or you feel like we're best friends or um, one person put only good boys on the ground, kick crumbs, that's their title, which made me laugh really hard. It made my husband laugh really hard because he's, again, I I forbid him as much as I can to listen to this because I like to separate church and state. And I showed him that he was like, why do people know about that? I'm like, because it's so funny. And I was talking to talk about in a podcast and now the internet thinks you're trolling me, which he was making such a long <laughs> sit down, uh, command. Um, but that was really funny. Uh, share a dressing room close. I felt like I had like be there in five cannon. Like, yes, that is a descriptor I use to describe friendships. And I loved that. Honestly, it means so much, like just even the the action of typing out and articulating thoughts about how you think about something I'm making, I know is effortful and it's not lost on me. And I so seldom leave reviews that it's just kind of totally changed my mindset about how often and what kind of feedback I give to people, because you have absolutely no idea how much it means to me to hear from you. And how vulnerable it is for me to put myself out there every week. And every week I walk away, close my eyes, cringe, put it out there, hope for the best. And um, when I hear you like it, it completely turns around my day, my mood, my life. As I mentioned, I at times struggle <laughs> figuring out my purpose in all of this. But uh, hearing, hearing those reviews makes all the difference. Um, now Tugboat's at the mic with me. Do you want to say hi? <laughs> Ew he <laughs> just like sneeze cough that was very sweet it. um so anyway guys as always subscribe rate and review on itunes did i just say that tug what's got me all distracted um if you want to support the podcast being ad free or have an occasional sp- lovely sponsor like last week with make space um Patreon.com slash be there and five, P A T R E O N.com slash be there and five, F I V E, not the number. I'll put that in the show notes also. $1 a month gets you access to early releases. I usually post these on there about 24 hours in advance, and they're usually longer, unedited versions. Um, I do some topical deep dives, reveal my secret projects, all that good stuff as well. Um, recording something for them right after this. And, um, yeah, I love you tons and thanks for being here and let me know what you want to hear more of. And uh, you can always email me your feedback, your questions. I want to do another Q&A. I did one on Patreon. It was so much fun. Um, at Kate at betharen5.com you Can also shop our mats and artwork at dot 5com And pretty soon we're going to open up, um, slots for small business consulting again that I try to do like once a quarter because I love, um, meeting people and giving advice and, I've learned a lot through the whole Etsy journey and especially with Etsy about to like insanely raise their fees in a concerning way. Uh, A lot of people reached out with questions um, about it being worth it. And I have a lot of thoughts on this, but again, I don't think the majority of people on this forum want to hear that. So anyway, thank you so much. I'm going to leave you with this song, another song from one of my favorite movie trailers. I did mention this earlier. And in your head, you might think you've heard this song too much or you're sick of it. But when you hear it, especially if you're in your car, or you're walking or whatever, it's going to, it's going to transport you to maybe feeling like a child again to maybe a sense of wanderlust adventure, or maybe just back to your couch to do deep dives on Scott and Tinsley and oh my god, Tinsley and her eggs this week. Ah, I forgot to talk about that. I mean, is there much to say? Unhealthy mother daughter relationship. She was crying looking at her eggs. She had to have at least five, six glasses of champagne. I can see myself, like, cry, laughing, goofy, joking about that and really shedding tears of my past regrets like her and her mother seem to have. And I did see their Dr. Phil episode, and they do have a notoriously clingy, weird mother-daughter relationship. But I think Dale is the better Patricia, and I'm Team Dale. And, um, you know, us Richmond, Virginia ladies got to stick together. Um <laughs> As always, let me know your thoughts, and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five, I swear.